Welcome back to the all-new, all-different of you from the couch. <laughs> My name is Rich Davenport. And I'm Jen. And we are, we're relaunching a view from the couch. We're, we're, we're changing it up. When I say all new, all different, I don't mean that it's actually all new and all different because some things are going to stay the same. Like we're still going to go through the movie. We're still going to talk things through. We're still going to give our opinions on the whole thing. But what is new is we're going to break this stuff down into seasons now. Now, if you just, if you listen to our intro episode, you can probably fast forward through the next maybe 30 to 40 seconds of this, but I'm just going to kind of, in case people didn't get the intro and they're just looking, hey, this is season one, episode one, we're going to jump right in here. This is what you're coming, this is what you're in for. Season one of the all new, all different of you from the couch. And this is kind of a brainchild uh, that we, we wanted to kind of revitalize it a little bit. We've been at it for four years and now's a good time, I think. It's the beginning of the year for the most part, it's a couple weeks in now. And we've just we're just now launching our new website, so now's a good time, right? I think so. Yeah. So what what else is new? We we changed we're changing our rating system as well. We used to do keep rent or erase, which was good, but we noticed that there wasn't very much flexibility in it, right? You want to speak I on that a little bit? I feel like I was starting to get to where we were saying this is a low end rent, or this is a high end <laughs> rent, or a low end keep. So I felt like right. it because there's some movies that fall in between mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. And so we're just going to go with a five-star ranking system. Yeah. So that way we could, I mean, we're going to have half stars. That way we can say, you know what? Five stars is a near perfect movie. One star is not that great. And zero stars, I guess we can even have if we want to, right? Do you want to even do I think we should even be able to say zero stars. I think so too. Yeah. There are some movies. Some movies are zero we stars. We just watched one. Fairly recently. Oh, you're talking about that Children of the Corn remake yeah. we watched? Yeah. I don't know whose idea that was. That was mine. That was yours. That was but mine. <laughs> I know whose idea it was. Yeah, it was, was not a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So that anyway. would be a zero, definitely. Right. Yeah, this is definite zero. I mean, I would give it negative stars if I could. Be like, you know what? You guys, I'm taking stars from you. You're going to give me stars <laughs> for that. So so this first season, season one, Jen, why don't, why don't you tell everybody what we're doing in season one? What's the What is this all about? All right, season one, this is actually a season that we have talked about doing several times. And we thought, you know what, new launch, let's hit it big with a very popular movie series. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go ahead and cover phase one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. I'm very excited for this. I I really enjoy these movies a lot. Even the bad ones, I still (laughs) get something out of, you know. Sure, yeah. No, absolutely. I was thinking about that today when we were, you know, getting ready to to lock into this. You know, there's there's more recent movies where they haven't been as good, right. but there is still world building going on there. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I noticed about this because we're what what are we talking about today? Why don't you tell us what we're talking? We're going to do the first movie, which is Iron Man, which came out in two thousand eight. Right. So we're going to do them in release order, and this is this is actually going to be a departure for us because we're going to be talking about some of the Marvel TV shows too when we get into the later phases. Now, mm-hmm. we're not going to go straight from phase one to phase two. We're going to have some other stuff after this for season two, season three, and so on. We might do maybe one to two Marvel series or phases a year, depending on. Yeah, how it'll take going. us a little bit to catch them all, but. I didn't want to just do how many movies are out now. I I don't even know. It's got to be like twenty seven or something. Yeah, I didn't just want to do twenty seven Marvel Cinematic Universe movies in a row because I feel like I might get a little tired of that. (laughs) Maybe not. 
who knows, but the audience might. So I thought, right. let's just kind of break it down into chunks, and then we'll do phase two maybe later this year. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, we're talking about 27 movies, but that's also, there's also TV series in there mm-hmm. that are, some in some cases, which more like, than eight episodes long. Yeah, you know? like what you mentioned, we talked about covering some of these TV series, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll cover other TV series too, but we're not going to cover them how a lot of podcast cover series where they do one episode per podcast. Right. When we do a series, we'll either cover it all in one or break it up into two episodes, just depending on how many episodes and how long those episodes are. So that way we could still get it in with the season and the story. So we yep. still have our continuity there, right? but not necessarily taking eight weeks to cover an eight episode TV show. Right. Right. Exactly. So, uh, enough about what we're what the plan is. Let's just jump right into it now. I mean, let's get back into what we what we usually do, what everybody's expecting. So let's talk about Iron Man. Now, what is your experience with Iron Man? Did you see this in theaters? I don't think so. I'm trying to remember where I started going to the theaters in the MCU, and I don't think it was this early. I mm-hmm. think it was later on. And I don't even know if I'm going to be able to remember it when we hit it. Maybe it'll something will click when we're watching it. Like, oh wait, I remember seeing this in the theater, but I highly doubt it. <laughs> I think I, I think I can pinpoint about when you started going to the Marvel movies, and I might be wrong, but when when you and I before we started dating or anything like that, you had mentioned that you were going to go and see the new Captain America movie because the guy you were with at the time wanted to go and see the new Captain America movie, mm. and I think that was it. That would have been back. 2013 2014 maybe something like that which would make it i think that's i want to say that's winter soldier or maybe it's civil war i feel like i maybe saw the avengers in the theater the original one okay yeah i I feel like maybe i did but anyways i'm probably not gonna be able to pinpoint it exactly but i have at this point seen this movie Several times. Yeah, so you is- kind of give me a hard time because I'll do a rewatch during tax season. And I know I talk about tax season a lot and I apologize. But during tax season, when I'm doing projects, it's nice to have something on in the background. But it needs to be something that I'm not going to be paying attention to. It's more oh, something sure. to listen to Absolutely. than really to watch. I've seen these movies enough now that this is something that's a really long like you put all this back to back, this takes a long time oh, yeah. to get through and yeah. I don't have to try and decide, okay, what am I going to watch next? I just start with the first one, <laughs> go all the way through to the end yeah. and it's just something I listen to during tax season then. So I've actually probably listened to this more than I've actually watched it. Sure. Well, I mean, it's one of those things that you don't have to pay a hundred percent attention to, right. you know, as right. you're kind of going through your day and you're working or whatever, you don't have to focus on it to get the story you know the story as much as you've seen it yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. i have not watched this in recent years as many times as i did early on okay but i did go and see this in theaters okay i saw this in theaters pretty much opening weekend i'm pretty sure i was all in because i'm a comic book fan i you know i've talked about this on the show before but i have been reading comics since like for probably 40 years now maybe 45 probably closer now but um but when Iron Man was coming out, I thought, why are they making a movie about Iron Man? Because at the time, Iron Man was nothing. Iron Man didn't mean anything in the in the comics. Like mm-hmm. he was just kind of there. He, they it, he was so unpopular, and so was Captain America and the about the Hulk. Captain America, Iron Man, the 
I want to say Fantastic Four and the Avengers in general all got shunted into another universe at one point following this big epic like crossover event called Onslaught. And they kept in the main Marvel Universe, they had three characters. They had the Hulk, but he didn't have Banner with him. It was just the Hulk. So it was like the Hulk without any conscience. And then they had Spider-Man and they had all the X-Men. That was it. That was all that existed in the Marvel Comics Universe for about a year. So part of this is contracts. Oh yeah, definitely. You've got Sony who has the movie rights to Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You have Universal that has spider spider Hulk. rights. <laughs> <laughs> movie rights to the Hulk. Spider um, rights to the Hulk. Yep. And this is Marvel's first like this was Marvel mm-hmm. Cinematic this was Marvel Studios. Yeah, the that's very what I'm trying first to say. Marvel Studios film that this they is produced. the first Marvel Studio. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to get into the movie industry with their own characters. Yeah. So that way they could keep. I'm trying to expl- think of how it was worded, but they were trying to keep the the comic book and the movie all in kind of one area instead of farming it out to right. these different studios. Right. It doesn't matter now because now it's all under Disney. Almost all, yeah. Yeah, um, you still have still some of the characters that are out with other studios, but mm-hmm. so this was actually a big step for them to take this. Yeah. And if this movie didn't work, mm-hmm. Disney would not have probably bought. Oh, definitely. Marvel no. Cinematic. No. I, well, it's not Cinematic Universe. Marvel, Marvel Studios. Entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. They bought Marvel Entertainment. They own the comics. They own everything. Yeah. yeah. So Disney probably wouldn't have done that no. if this didn't do well because no. this did well and now all of a sudden you've got interest in, okay, mm-hmm. we could we could do something with this. Yeah, definitely. Now, the reason that Marvel didn't have the rights to the X-Men or Spider-Man or Fantastic Four is because in the 90s they almost went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And they had to sell the film rights to their most popular characters. Yeah. Notice that they didn't sell the film rights <laughs> to the Avengers. Mm-hmm. They sold the film rights to the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and Spider-Man, and mm-hmm. the Hulk. Well, the Hulk had been with Universal for a long time, actually. But but that is why they they were able to get... They did end up. They did eventually sell the Iron Man rights, and they sold the rights to a couple of others. But those, nobody wanted to make movies out of them. They were like, "Well, we don't know what to do with this, so we're just going to let the contract lapse." And Marvel ended up with them back in their stable. Mm-hmm. But they did. They sold off everything piecemeal to make money to keep the comic books afloat mm-hmm. through the nineties. Mm-hmm. And and now, you know, of course, like you said, Disney owns everything. But up until that point, they—I mean—they didn't have—they didn't have the X Men. There were no plans to put the X Men into this universe. They lusted after it. They wanted that back. The X Men are the moneymaker for Marvel. That's just the way it is. If you mm-hmm. look at the comic book sales, X Men rules the roost. They always have. They are the them and Spider Man. Those are the ones that everybody loves at mm-hmm. Marvel, as far as comics go. Yeah. So well, putting. And- I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, and they took a shot here yeah. with the Iron Man. Oh, yeah. But I think they made a wise choice. They chose a character who can be very unlikable, mm-hmm. but has the charm to him that you could make him likable. And they cast it perfectly oh, yeah. with Robert Downey Jr. I don't know if they could have found a better one. Now, I don't know Iron Man comics, yeah. but just in the research I've done about 
what Tony Stark is like in the comics. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the reasons why they chose Robert Downey Jr. is because of his past mm-hmm. and his history with alcohol abuse and, Drug you know, abuse, the yeah. just his attitude, too. He's mm-hmm. got a bigger-than-life attitude. Yeah. But yet he's got this charisma about him that draws people to him, and he's a good actor, too. Yeah, yeah he's so a very good actor. So yeah. I, I love this casting. I'm so glad they did it. It got us Iron Man all the way through the MC, the most recent phase mm-hmm. of MCU, and I'm very grateful for this movie and for it starting it off. I re- I've really enjoyed this length of movie now the most recent phase is kind of you know it's kind of their worst one but but spoilers for about three years then up until then it's been great it's been a lot of fun i've enjoyed watching this character and what he becomes and what he does and he's not perfect well, that's, the, that's the thing about he's him. got a lot of growth to him, and I, I like mm-hmm. that a lot. That's the thing that I, I think was attractive about Iron Man, and that was actually Stan Lee's original, well, Stan Lee, and was it Jack Kirby, or was it, I can't remember who did the art for the original, but the original intent was Iron Man, for Iron Man was to take a character that, or a person that would be unlikable, a billionaire, who, I'm sure millionaire at that point in the 60s, but... A millionaire who just didn't really connect with the average person. Yeah, but so ma- Stanley based this character, Tony Stark, on Howard Hughes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he's he said he's an inventor, an adventurer, mm-hmm. a multimillionaire, a ladies' man, and kind of a nutcase. Yep. Yep. And to try and make people, you know, associate with him. And it worked for the most part. I mean, he didn't get his own comic until I wanna say nineteen seventy. He was a guest star in the Avengers. He was in Tales to Tales of Suspense, which you know he was kind of sharing with other characters for a while there for about five or six years, and then come around 1969, 1970, I think maybe even 68, he got his own title. And popular or not, he sold enough obviously to be able to continue to have that title all the way through. When they kicked everybody out of the Marvel universe in the uh, in the nineties and left the X Men and everybody there, so mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Iron Man was never somebody that I I gravitated towards. I wasn't an Avengers reader. I've read Avengers. I have read some. There are some story arcs that I think are some of the best comics in Marvel comics history that are Avengers comics. But by and large, my monthly reads were always X Men, Hulk, and Spider Man, which is funny because I never used to go for the popular ones. I just went for the ones that attracted me as a person, right? Mm-hmm. And the Avengers always seemed too big for me, too, like, they're always off on, like, cosmic battles, which I know is kind of dumb to say because I read the X-Men and the X-Men are always off on cosmic battles, but they always seem to be off doing, like, uh, off-world stuff, right? And, oh, we're the world's greatest heroes or Earth's Earth's mightiest heroes. I'm like, well, who the hell nominated you guys? Well, they didn't like the X-Men because they're mutants, of course, so, you know, there was that whole thing. But not that, not the Avengers, just people Mm -hmm. in general didn't like them. So... I didn't relate to the Avengers. So this was a stretch for me too, coming in thinking, Iron Man, who the hell cares about Iron Man? Nobody cared about Iron Man. But but what we will learn is that everybody cared about Iron Man now or mm-hmm. cares about Iron Man now. So Right. Yep. Yeah. He he Robert Downey Jr. did a fantastic job creating this character to mm-hmm. some somebody that in the movie world millions of people love this guy. I mean, they love Iron Man. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Well, why don't we get into it? Why don't you give us the cast and crew? We already know Robert Downey Jr. Let's talk about everybody else. So this was directed by John Favreau. He's coming off the big hit Elf previous to this. <laughs> kind oh, of yes. a Elf. kind of a interesting jump. Yeah, which is 20 years old as of last month, right? Like didn't it didn't it wasn't it 20 years this in 2023? It was, and they even did a re-release to theaters. They were put they put it back December. in theaters. How yeah. did I miss that? I missed that. Interesting. Okay. Well, I know I'll bet you I'll bet you if if one of our employees if she knew about it, she probably <laughs> would have been there. But Yep. Yeah. So anyway, so John Favreau, yeah. All right, this was written by Mark Fergus, Hawk Ostby, Art Markham, and Matt Holloway. Screenplay by committee. Yep. Yeah. I think in a lot of these, you almost have to do that because you're trying to pull in comic book stuff, but yet when we get into this, you're trying to link all these movies. So you're trying to have mm-hmm. an independent movie, yet link the whole story. Well, the together. link the link is Kevin Feige. He's mm-hmm. the one that's gonna. He's the one that builds the Bible for this. He yeah. runs it like a TV show. Mm-hmm. You know. So. Yeah. Uh, we also have Terrence Howard in here as Rhodey. Now oh, yeah. this is the only appearance of Terrence Howard as Rhodey because when we get into the next movies we're going to have Don Cheadle come in right there was some contract issues and this and that so they didn't get Terrence Howard back yep we have Jeff Bridges as Obadiah Stain the dude himself <laughs> yep I I didn't make that connection for some reason till till we were watching it and I think you said something and I'm like wait <laughs> oh my god that is him <laughs> of course it is of course it is it's the star man it's it, Jeff Bridges is one of those actors that I think is just brilliant I think he does a great job in just about anything he's in he went all in on this too because yeah, he, he mentioned you know maybe he should shave his head and grow mm-hmm. a beard to John Favreau and he's like well maybe so he just cut it back shorter and shorter till he decided to just go ahead and shave it down but <laughs> in the comics. Obadiah is is bald mm-hmm. in in yep. the comics, so yeah. that's what he was going for. Right, and we have Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts. Oh, good old Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> I do like her as Pepper Potts. I think she does a fine job. She's not in here a ton, and I think that's that's good. I think mm-hmm. if we get too much of that, maybe not so yeah. great. But I do like her in this role. I think that Gwyneth Paltrow in the right role is just fine for any movie. I mean, she's good in Seven mm-hmm. for what she is. I yep. mean, she was even, I don't even know if she was that well known when she was in Seven. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to go out and see a movie because Gwyneth Paltrow is in the No, lead, she's not you know? a main draw, but yeah. I don't hate her in movies that I've seen her in. Yeah. I but think she's, she's not fine. a main draw for me. Yeah, yeah. I think she's fine. She's yep. fine. I think she does a good job as Pepper Potts in this, in this movie. Now, of course. I didn't have a lot of comic book knowledge pertaining to Iron Man. I had very little comic book knowledge pertaining to Iron Man when I came into this. So I actually, I think I'd read like the origin issue and some Tales, from, Tales of Suspense back in the day, but I don't, I didn't have like the, oh, I didn't know that Happy Hogan was a person. I didn't know that, you know, Pepper Potts was a person. I didn't know about Obadiah Stane or any of that stuff. So mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff coming into this movie was very new to me. Very, very new to me. So, Yeah. So before we get into the story here, I just want to bring up something that I find very interesting about this. The script was not finished when they started shooting this. What? There is a lot of improv in here. No kidding. They did a lot of 
making up lines as they went, which was really hard for Gwyneth Paltrow because she had a hard time sometimes playing off of Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And also Jeff Bridges had a hard time because he's somebody who says, I always memorize my lines. I know my parts. I know where I'm going. Yeah. This was more difficult. And so he said he looked at it kind of as a $200 million student film (laughs) to try and get through to, you know, to take the pressure off of him and have more fun with this. Right. But he did struggle too. Sounds like Robert Downey Jr. was just fine with it and just rolled with everything. But there is a lot of improv conversations and stuff that happens in this movie. Interesting. I did not know that. That's very interesting. Huh. All right. So they went into this without, without a finished script. Just like Tommy Boy was in production without a finished script. Now, one of them turned out better than the other. Yeah. Well, I like both these movies. so I do too, but I'm, just I'm not going like, to say one turned out better right, than the other. Right, I like them both. Right. <laughs> All right. Now let's talk about this story. Okay. So, Tony Stark, billionaire, playboy, and war profiteer, inherited Stark Industries from his father, Howard, and has been kind of a wunderkind ever since, right? After demonstrating his newest weapon, the Jericho, for the U.S. military in Afghanistan, the convoy that's carrying Stark back to an airbase is attacked by the Ten Rings, which is a terrorist organization in Afghanistan, obviously made up. Stark is mortally wounded by a weapon that was created by Stark Industries and is captured by the terrorists. While he's unconscious, he is saved from death by fellow captive Jensen, who is a doctor. He implants an electromagnet in Tony's chest to stop the shrapnel from the bomb from reaching Tony's heart. And it's attached to a car battery. So he's kind of got to wander around with this car He's got to carry a car battery around. Yep. The leader of the Ten Rings, Raza, wants a Jericho missile. So he offers Stark his freedom if he will build a Jericho missile for the terrorists. This was an exciting way to start this movie. I mean, it went right into the action. Our hero that we don't know is a hero yet, but our Mm -hmm. hero is in danger Mm -hmm. right off the bat. And, you know, he's going to end up having to be clever and get his way out of this thing. Yeah. He's also kind of a douche right off the bat. He is. He is one of those war profiteers Mm -hmm. and he's completely okay with it yeah oh yeah he's there's no he doesn't see the morality or the immorality of it he rationalizes the entirety of what he does with well we do other things i mean you see that when he gets he gets cornered we get kind of a flashback and like to the lead up to this and he gets cornered by a reporter and the reporter asks him well aren't you worried about like you know, these missiles are being Mm -hmm. used to, you know, murder children or whatever. And he says, you're glossing over the fact that we do all this other stuff too. Mm -hmm. Well, all that other stuff really doesn't matter if you're doing the other thing too. You know what I mean? Like killing children cannot be justified by the fact that you're like providing clean water to another spot. Right. And he, he straight up says too, because the one military guy flashes a peace sign and he says, yeah, peace with that. I'd be out of business. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, he oh, yeah. flat out says it. So yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, he even, he even mocks it again when they're, when they're putting the weapons away, he's got a drink in his hand and he's like to peace. But right? he does believe that they are selling the weapons to the U S government. Right. He does not know about weapons going to the other side. Correct. Yes. Right. He, he does not know about the, where the weapons are being redirected. Yeah. Yep, that's true. 
Now, this is an update of his original storyline. Okay. He, he was originally injured and captured in Vietnam. Think about when the comics came out. We were in the middle of the Vietnam War. So he was originally captured by the Viet Cong. Mm, yep. Jensen was there as well. He was an Asian man. He was not Afghani. So it, but so they've updated this, but everything else stays pretty much the same as far as like he's captured by terrorists. They want him to build the weapon. He busts out in his Iron Man suit, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. John Favreau did say that he wanted to have this be less of a time period piece by doing that, by just putting it in general time Afghanistan, like not a particular war or anything. Um, it says big, a lot about what was going on in the Middle East all the time, doesn't it? Yeah, very sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tony and Jensen don't believe that Raza is going to keep his word, so they set about building a small electronic generator or electric generator called an arc reactor, which everybody, of course, knows what an arc reactor is now if they watch these movies. But at the time, we didn't know what the hell it was. It was just this little thing that sits into his chest and keep it does the job that the car battery was doing. Keeps the electromagnet running, keeps the shrapnel pieces away from his heart. That It's also, though, designed to power a prototype armor suit that they plan to use to escape their prison. They're working on this suit in secret. While there are cameras monitoring them, they're doing it kind of off to the side where the camera can't see. And the terrorists get suspicious because they, you know, they can't see them on screen. They don't know what's going on. So Raza sends his men to attack the workshop and stop Stark and Jensen. But Stark puts his suit on. So it's a prototype it's a prototype suit, so it doesn't look like the newer arm, newer Iron Man armor at all. But what it does look like is it looks a hell of a lot like his very first armor that he made in Vietnam in the comics. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like that. Well, you would expect it to be pretty rudimentary because mm-hmm. they're working with pieces that are available for this rocket that right. they're supposed to be building. Absolutely. Yep. It 100%, 100% makes sense. I just thought it was really cool that they kept the look of it mm-hmm. very, very similar to yeah. what it looked like. Uh, in the comic. So Stark blasts his way out of the terrorist camp. Jensen dies in the escape, but he but he pleads with Stark not to waste his second chance at life. So I wanted to talk about Jensen's part in the escape real quick before we got too much further ahead, because Jensen at one point, he takes a weapon from one of the original, one of the first soldiers that are killed, and he runs out into the caves to kind of draw the attention of the rest of the people that are coming to attack the the shop. And he runs after a couple of terrorists shooting and firing into the air. And when he he stops, when he runs into a cave or a, a, an opening area full of terrorist soldiers, which is a direct reference to Han in Star Wars, the original Star Wars. Han chases a couple of uh, stormtroopers on the Death Star into a room full of stormtroopers. And oh, then that's interesting. And now, John Favreau is going to go on to create The Mandalorian. Mm. For three seasons, he's going to show run that show and actually probably even more. And he even did The Book of Boba Fett too, I think, with Dave Filoni. But yes, so John Favreau is showing, he's, 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 he's showing his love for Star Wars here, I think, with that. Oh, that's Which cool. I think is really neat. That yep. is neat. Yeah. So... 
Stark, after destroying all the weapons in the camp, he blasts off out of the camp and you know, of course, it's a prototype, so it's not quite as good at flying as his later armor is going to be, which means that it doesn't carry him very far before it crashes into a sand dune and kind of falls apart. Now, I don't know how he survived that. I don't either. So backing up just a quick sec. Yeah. I like that he tried destroying all the Stark weapons yes. that were there before he left. Yes. And then I agree. I don't know how he survived that, but this is a comic book movie and there is a lot of stuff that you just have to let go. Yes, yeah, you've <laughs> got to let go of that. But now the the thing that I think is interesting is that we're starting to see this turn for for Tony from war profiteer to okay, this stuff this stuff might not be the answer. This might this might not be the excusable lesser evil that I think it is. Mhm. And it kind of stems from his conversations that he's ha- that he has with Jensen. Jensen, you know, talks about his family and how his family has been, you know, or like his village has been under siege by these terrorists and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, well, blah, blah, blah. But it's, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. right? So it, I think that's where this kind of really starts and Tony really seeing what these weapons are being used for when they're being confiscated. Now, the truth is that there are always... American weapons in the hands of people that will eventually be terrorists. Mm-hmm. We funded and we funded and armed people like Al Qaeda years before mm-hmm. the 9/11 attacks. So I think that this is kind of a soft way of saying, see, it all ends up in the hands of people that are against you at some point or another. Mm-hmm. Whether they're against you to start off with or later, it's going to end up there. You know. Mm-hmm. So I think this is just kind of a soft, subtle way of saying that, which I kind of appreciated. I kind of appreciated that about this. But he gets rescued in the desert where he crashes by his friend James Rhodes, who arrives via helicopter. They return home where he reunites with, uh, Tony reunites with Pepper Potts, his assistant, and his father's business partner, Obadiah Stain. Tony announces at a press conference that the Stark Industries weapons manufacturing plants will all be shut down. They're not going to focus on weapons, but they're going to start pivoting towards clean energy instead. He wants to Ooh, work on Ooh, there's a huge reactor. uproar about this too. <laughs> yes. The the press is very like, you know, whoa, hey, whoa, and uh, we want to know more about this. But also, he didn't discuss this with Stain before uh-huh. this. And so he's kind of taken, taken aback. He tells Tony, look, you know, I get that you want to explore this arc reactor thing, but shutting down the weapons is going to destroy the company that your father created. It's going to destroy your father's legacy. Another thing I want to talk about in this scene, Mm -hmm. because it does come up later in the MCU is the cheeseburgers. This is where we find out that, you know, when he's hungry and he's just wanting some food, he wants cheeseburgers. And there's a really touching line that happens in Endgame with, Happy Hogan and Tony Stark's daughter. Oh yeah, with the cheeseburgers. So this is where we get the cheeseburgers. This is also he's eating Burger King <laughs> now. Product placement. Now, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. credits Burger King with helping him get clean. Really? He said that he was he was down. I don't know if he was high or drunk. I don't know. I just know he was not in a good place Mm -hmm. and he had a bunch of drugs in his car and he was really hungry. So he went and grabbed a Burger King burger and it was so awful and disgusting. 
it prompted him to drive somewhere and dump all his drugs and go right to a rehabilitation center. <laughs> that is not where I thought you were going with this. Isn't that hilarious? Burger King is so nasty that he was like, fuck this, I'm off drugs now. If I'm, done. I'm willing to eat this. <laughs> So I've I've heard that story in my research I did for this I watched lots of videos yeah. and that came up in almost every single oh my video. God. That is that is that is fucking hysterical. That's really I'm funny. surprised Burger King agreed to be in this movie with that being the case, but oh. I'm willing to bet money they didn't know about that before they agreed to it. They were like, <laughs> What, you want us to be in a big blockbuster movie? Sure, sure, why not? That'll yep. work. Yep. And then later they find out that he's like, Yeah, they suck. That's why I chose to Chose to quit drugs. Like, well, <laughs> we did help him get clean, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have Iron Man without this, right? <laughs> yeah, thanks, so Burger King. Thanks, Burger King. Thanks for Iron Man, Burger King. Yeah. I, I agree with Tony, uh, Tony Stark. I agree with Robert Downey Jr. Burger King's burgers are not the best. They are definitely not my favorite. Well, let's face it. There's no good fast food <laughs> burger, right? No. It's all yeah. just varying levels of like, you know, just above garbage food, you know? <laughs> Anyway, back to the story. At home, Tony sets to work to create a new model, a new version of his power suit, a sleeker and more powerful model with uh, red racing colors and gold racing colors, which I thought was kind of funny. He wanted a little bit of racing red and well, race was, car red. Well, this was, is it Jarvis? Yeah. That was Jarvis's idea. Was it? Yeah, I think Jarvis mentioned something about hot red. He says something about the color, and then I think, Tony Stark says Hot Rod Red or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, because he's working on this Roadster. Right. That's red. Now, just side note, that Roadster actually belongs to John Favreau. Oh, really? That's actually his car. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love the colors. Now, is this the color of Iron Man in the comics? The yeah. red and gold? Red and gold originally, yeah. Well, after the after the gray suit, yeah. Red and gold. He goes to red and silver for a little while in the 80s. Goes back to red and gold. We're going to get a red and black version of it at one point in the early 2000s, I think. And then back to red and gold. I mean, red and gold is the signature. Okay. That's the main okay. one. I like yeah. it. I like it. Yeah. Tony also creates a more powerful arc reactor for his chest that's going to also power the new suit. And gives the old one to Pepper. Pepper creates a little, like display like trophy out of it puts it in glass and gives it to tony to put into a case right so for the filming of this yeah. one of the interesting things that they did to make it seem more realistic because this was wire so when tony's floating around and stuff this is wire work oh, yeah. yep. done on here and a lot of times wire work you can you know everybody's really rigid and stuff and what they did is they attached the wires to his feet yeah and then they, I think they had one wire on his back just to kind of stabilize him a little bit, but he had to balance. So he yeah. had to work on balancing that, which gave it more realistic look to him floating. Mm -hmm. So it was really neat. Again, if people like to see how behind the scenes stuff is, there's tons of behind the scenes thing. Really interesting how they did this yeah. uh, to make it look realistic. Yeah. One of the things that I really love about these early Marvel movies is there's a lot of practical effects mm -hmm. versus the CGI fests that we're going to get later. Mm -hmm. And and this is one of those this is one of those instances you can tell that he's on wires. You can tell that that's the case, but it to me it looks a lot more realistic than the CGI because the CGI looks a little bit off. Just a tiniest little bit off, mm -hmm. especially in these early movies. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing about the new reactor, when Pepper Potts is changing that out, yeah. again, that whole scene was ad-libbed. 
Oh yeah. The other thing is is the other thing is Robert Downey Jr. is in this weird little thing where he's actually almost straight up and down, and oh, that yeah. body is. A, you can tell a, a fake thing. Yeah. So just kind of thrown out there for people that don't know, but yeah. <laughs> that's the, not that's not really his chest or any kind of. It's it's definitely him standing straight up, and then there's a, a prosthetic chest attached to right. him that she's actually digging in. So. Right. Yeah, and I think I think the fact that he's standing straight up is what doesn't sell the fake chest as well. I think they should have they should have reclined him a little bit. I understand mm-hmm. that they needed the depth for her and so that he wouldn't have to strain his neck, but I think that if you'd reclined him a bit a little differently, he might have looked a little bit more in line with that fake mm-hmm. chest because I think there's like this weird angle to where his neck or his neck is versus where his mm-hmm. chest is. I agree. I think it's pretty good unless you're really looking at it. The only right. thing I thought was weird is she really sticks her hand in there far. Yeah. He's not that big. Yeah. Like, where the hell are you going? It's not like a Mary Poppins bag. Right. You know, it's. It, I feel like it shouldn't be... I don't feel like her hands should have been in so deep. The chest of holding. <laughs> yeah. Right. Chest of infinite holding. So... Tony learns that his weapons are being used to attack Jensen's home village of Gomira. This is his absolute turn. Yes. This, I feel, is where there is like no turning back. He is done with this. Yep. Yep. So he throws the armor on. He flies to Afghanistan. He saves the village and kills all the terrorists who are using his weapons. Now, this, I think, is something that we are not going to see much of in later films once Disney acquires this these properties. We're not going to see this kind of outright like violence like this. You know what I mean? We're going to see violence, but it's mm-hmm. not, it's always going to be kind of sanitized, so a little bit safer violence than what we normally see, like in these early movies. You know what I mean? Like in the next movie, when we look at Hulk, Hulk murders like soldiers. Like there are mm-hmm. dead people all over the place in the Hulk movie. You're not going to see that kind of stuff. No, I I'm thinking of a scene where we get a flashback with Gamora yeah. and Thanos, mm-hmm. and he kills half of the people on our planet, but we don't see it. We no. hear it. Right. It's off screen. It's off screen. Yeah. It's sanitized. It's yep. it's Disneyfied. And that and I mean there are you know, I don't really have a problem with Disney owning Marvel. I mean, uh, there's always gonna be some corporation owning everything, right? That's just the way the world is. But what I do have a problem with is I think there is a divide from, I don't want to say realism because, I mean, they're talking about comic book movies here, but I mean, we watch, now I'm not, I'm not like some guy who's got to be, who's like, I got to see them drop that. I want to see their brains splat around the, I'm not a gorehound, right? But this is more effective seeing these guys get, get killed by Stark right in front of the camera than it mm-hmm. would be off screen, I think. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. It's, I mean, he just murdered some people. Now, he murdered people who are murdering other people. True. But it's still taking someone's life. Right. Know? And there's some we- there's weight to it when you see it on screen. When you see- when you mm-hmm. don't see it, when it's off screen, they're... It's like, oh, yeah, that happened, but didn't really mm-hmm. see it, so, you know... It doesn't really affect you. Yeah. There's no... I mean, they don't want the ill effect of seeing it on screen. There's, there is an ill effect here. Yeah, these guys are terrorists, but they are also human beings. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're humans. They're living, breathing people. And there is a weight to it. You know what I mean? Now, I'm not saying we should sympathize with them or empathize with them or anything like that, but I am saying that there is a weight to it seeing it on screen versus not seeing it on screen. But 
it, it's just uh, as I was watching the movie this time, I thought about that. And I thought, you know, this this is there's a lot of a there's kind of an outlaw feel to these first six movies that Disney is not going to be able to replicate. I don't think ever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that they that they do pretty well from you know the second phase through the end of the third phase but i think we're starting to see the seams when we get to the phase four mm-hmm. you know what i mean because i think what we had originally is there was probably a plan in place to get us to infinity war you know or at least to the end well, of was the kevin saga. feige involved at all at this point yeah okay so kevin he was feige, yeah kevin feige has been at the very beginning he's started off right off the bat now he was he was partnered with aviarad from the old marvel Entertainment now. Marvel Entertainment's been around since 1996, mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Marvel, the Marvel Film Studios, has been around since 1996. They produced the first Blade movie. This is not the first Marvel film. This is mm-hmm. the first film that they ever financed on their own. Right, they financed so, on their own. Yep. But right, but it's not the first one that they've had control over. So they've had control okay. over Blade. They had control over a couple of other ones too. Yeah, that makes but, sense. But uh, and but Feige, this is his first one. And okay. he's been here since the beginning, so he has been and he's been on this ride the whole time. So, yeah. So I think that I think that having that continuity is what really helped them get through the end of phase three. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't I just don't know what it is. They haven't found their footing in phase four. We can talk more about that when we get to it. But I just don't I just don't feel that same continuity. I don't feel that same flow that we had in these early movies. On his way home, Tony is attacked by two F-22 Raptors under James Rhodes' command. If he would have just been honest and told Rhodey that, hey, yeah, I've got something in the air. <laughs> yeah, he, but he was playing games with them. He's just kind of yeah. playing tag with them or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And eventually he you know, he does admit to Rhodey that that is, that is him, that he is the thing in the air, and Rhodey calls off the jets. Meanwhile, Obadiah Stane visits Afghanistan, and he meets with Raza of the Ten Rings, and he's revealed to be the one that hired the Ten Rings to assassinate Tony in an attempted coup of Stark Industries. He wants to be the CEO, he wants to be the person in charge, and he was going to have Tony killed to do it. Raza and his men, however, have recovered the scraps of Tony's original armor, and Stain really wants that armor when he finds it. So he has them killed, and he takes the armor. Back at Stark Industries, he has a new suit reverse-engineered from that original armor because he wants that for himself. While this is all going on, Tony sends Pepper to hack into Stane's computer to track the shipments that went awry and ended up in Afghanistan instead of with the U.S. military. This scene, I think shows off Gwyneth Paltrow and Jeff Bridges' acting abilities. They did a fantastic job in this little standoff where you can feel the tension just in their the way they're delivering their lines. He knows something. She knows he knows something. Yep. She's not going to give up the, 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 the info, and he's not going to directly accuse her because he needs proof. Plus, they're out there in broad daylight. He can't just... You know, grab her and have her assassinated. Right. I agree. This, you feel the tension here. Mm -hmm. 
you're very anxious for Pepper Potts here. Yes. Like, yes. is she going to get caught? Mm-hmm. And we don't. This is the, this is the first movie. We don't know what's going to happen. Right. Is she going to survive out of this thing? Is she not? Who knows? We don't right. know what's going to happen with this new universe that's happening. Right. Now, a couple little things here. Why would you name your secret file Ultra Secret File? <laughs> uh, uh, this is a guy who has a password of one, two, three, four, five, six, right? Also, I, I didn't I didn't catch this, but apparently one of the folders mm-hmm. is labeled Lebowski. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. I didn't see that. I didn't That's catch it. That's great. That is great. That's fucking interesting, man. That's fucking interesting. <laughs> New shit apparently has come to light. That's that's really funny. The dude. The dude the dude apparently has gone from bowling to, you know, corporate espionage. <laughs> Who knew? Put on a suit, shaved his head. I'm not Lebowski, man. You're Mr. Lebowski. <laughs> I'm the dude, man. So she did discover in the ultra secret file though that Stain is the one that hired the Ten Rings. And apparently you can just type in translate into a computer and it will just <laughs> like change the audio for you. I never knew that. Now it probably is just a Tony Stark thing, right? It's probably just a Stark I would Enterprises assume thing. so. Yeah. That's Stark. something I keep calling... he came up with. But on her way out, being chased out basically by Stain, like she's she's running away because she knows he knows. And S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Phil Coulson is waiting for her in the lobby for some reason. I don't know why he's waiting for her there. Because they had a meeting. He set this meeting up with Tony Stark when he was at that big gala thing or oh, whatever. Oh, okay, all right. He went and talked to Tony Stark. Tony Stark was distracted by Pepper Potts in that blue dress. Oh, and right. And he yeah, agreed right. to that meeting because he set a date and time, and he said, yep, that'll work. They shook hands. So they uh, had a meeting set okay. up. Okay, all right, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. And she, she says, okay, yeah, we're going to do our meeting. We're going to do it right now. So she basically has him escort her out the building and presumably tells him everything that Stain has been up to. Now, interesting fact that Tony, along with a few other people, but Tony helped create S.H.I.E.L.D. in the comics. Not his dad. In the comics, Tony creates S.H.I.E.L.D. or at least helps create S.H.I.E.L.D., the modern version of it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Now... Stain goes to visit his scientists, unnamed scientist one and two and three and four, right? <laughs> red shirt one and red shirt Red shirt two. one. <laughs> yeah. And he learns that they can't re- reverse engineer the arc reactor tech to power the suit. I think this is one of those moments that we get another good Jeff Bridges moment where he goes after the scientist and he says something along the lines of Tony Stark managed to make this with scraps mm-hmm. in a cave somewhere. So And I love the scientist line, like, I am well, not Tony Stark. Yeah, he says, I'm sorry, but I'm not Tony Stark. This this tells me too how smart Tony Stark actually is. You've right. got a bunch of scientists who cannot recreate what he did. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting is Tony Stark's not even really the smartest guy in the Marvel comics. That would be probably Reed Richards or Victor Von Doom mm. that would be the considered the smartest people 
Bruce Banner's also up there, mm-hmm. uh, probably competing for smartest person on the in the in the Marvel Marvel universe, the six one six universe. Tony, up until the movies came out, I wouldn't even say that he would be considered like top five. Mm-hmm. But I think they've positioned him as such later. I mean, I'm sure there's people that have read Iron Man comics a long time and would argue with me about that. And I would have to, you know, I would have to defer because I don't know much about the comics, but mm-hmm. I never heard I never heard Iron Man's name pop up as, oh, he's super smart, mm-hmm. you know, in other comics. And I mean, you know, I've talked about it before. Comics always have little mini crossovers and stuff like mm-hmm. that. If they need a smart guy, they go to Reed Richards. I do like, though, that they make him smart because he's building all this advanced tech yes, on his oh, yeah. own. Yeah. So, I mean, somebody like me can't go in and do that. I mean, you need no. to have an intelligent person who understands all this stuff. Yes, and please understand that I'm not saying that he is not smart. I'm just saying that he's not, like, the tip-top. Mm-hmm. But in this universe, they have put him at the tip top. He is the pinnacle. Tony is the smartest guy. Right, because we don't anywhere. have Fantastic Four yet. Right, we don't right. have these characters in right, here yet. Right. Which I think is I think that's another beneficial thing for this movie is the fact that you don't have the Fantastic Four to lean on or the X Men to lean on. You know, I mean, there is no Xavier. There is no Reed Richards. There's no Wolverine. There's no ultra popular characters. You have to make these characters popular and they did a bang up job with it. Stain decides he's gonna go and visit Tony at his house. And he's going to steal the arc reactor from his chest. He's literally going to pull it out of his chest and leave Tony for dead. He, well, he obviously doesn't care. He tried to right. have him killed already. So right. it's not. What's it's that not as, yeah. He doesn't. He's not concerned with Tony's life. He uh, he uses this device that he actually also used on Raza in uh, in Afghanistan. But it was it's some kind of device that he clicks on, and he even he talks about it. Be techno babbles it. I don't know what the hell it's even supposed to really do. But it affects Raza the same way it affects Tony. What does it do? I'm not exactly sure how it's doing it, but it basically makes you immobile for like 15 minutes. Right. Like you cannot move. You're paralyzed. Right. And it it obviously is doing something with the brain because you've got blood coming out Tony's ears and you've got blood vessels like really popping out. Right. Same thing happened to the other guy in Afghanistan. Yeah. I don't know what it's doing, but it's some kind of paralyzer thing. Yeah. He uses a magic paralyzer device to stop Tony from being able to fight back basically. And he, he steals the arc reactor. Tony basically dying manages to get the display arc reactor that Pepper had created for him out of his original arc reactor, the one that wasn't powerful enough for his current armor. He grabs it, he smashes it, sticks it into his chest, which, by the way... Let's be honest. Yeah. He gets help from his cute little robot thing. That's true. That looks like those Doc Ock arms. Dummy. He calls him Dummy. Yeah. Yeah. So Dummy does help him, but, but he... He manages to get this thing into his chest when he needed Pepper's help before. What's the difference now? Comic book logic. That's, <laughs> You're gonna, that's just, I'm just going to go with that. Stop leaning on that, okay? <laughs> nope. Nope. Because you got it through this whole thing. <laughs> All right. Fine. Fine. Tony puts on his new armor, powered this time by the old arc reactor, which means he's not at 100%. So we know right off the bat... Whatever he's going to get into here, he's going to be at a disadvantage. Right. Which I think is interesting because 
he is the smartest guy in the room, right? Mm -hmm. So he has to have a disadvantage. And the disadvantage is that he doesn't have full power. I would imagine if that new suit had full power, Ironmonger would have no chance against him. Right. Doesn't matter that the other suit is right. bigger or anything like that. Or, yep. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Also, we're going to start getting the heads up display on the screen. Right. And this is going to follow through all the movies. So we kind of get it right away mm -hmm. in this first movie. And I kind of... I kind of like this a little bit. We get to kind of see what's going on inside the suit a little bit. I think they do lean a little too heavily on it later in the MCU. But right here, I do like this because we get to see Obadiah in it and we get to see Tony in it. And it's it's an interesting way. And I remember thinking when I first saw this, I was like, oh, this is cool. This is neat. It's the same reason why... Spider-Man fights without his mask on so often is because we need to, for it's two reasons. Number one, we as an audience need to see the actor's face to be able to react to them. And number two, the actors need to have their face seen. It's not vanity. It's just part of the contract. They right. need to be on screen a certain amount of time, right? And, I mean, I'm sure it's vanity in some cases, but that is why, that is why, you see characters like Spider-Man without his mask on. Mm -hmm. Why Captain America doesn't wear his mask more often. He wears his, he wears no mask more often than he wears a mask. Right. Or his helmet or whatever, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's why. I mean, I know why it is. Yeah. I'm just saying I like it. And I, and it's introduced here and we do get to see this through I think it's, the series. I think, it, like you said, it ends up being a crutch though. Mm -hmm. And I... I it's one of those things that is a bit of a departure from the comics where I don't give a shit if I see Spider-Man's face. I know who he is, mm -hmm. you know, but right. we want to see Tom Holland, right? Well, some people want to see Tom Holland. Tom Holland wants to be seen. Right. And I think when you're talking about an actor, it's acting with a mask that covers your face is notoriously difficult because you can't use your face to help express what's going on. You have to do it all with your voice and body posture. Well, and sometimes... In this Iron Man costume, it's not even Robert mm -hmm. Downey Jr. in here. There's a stuntman oh, that's yeah. in a lot of this. Yep. So it's not him yep. that we're even seeing when that full helmet and everything's on on the outside. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So Tony goes off to go after Stain and rescue Pepper, who is with a crew of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents who are going to arrest Stain. Now, why is Pepper going along on the mission to arrest Stain? I have no idea, because they don't need her card to get in. They just have to blow the door. Right. I, I have no idea why she's there. Yeah. Stain is armored up and hiding. I don't know why he's hiding. This also doesn't make sense to me. We get a cool visual here, though. This right. reminds me... Of the Hulk. Of the Hulk and Black Widow. Yeah. Later. It is a callback later. The Avengers is a callback to this movie. Yeah. It's, when we see that. Yeah. So it's kind of neat. You get this just big Hulk. He's big. Yeah. And we don't see how big he is until this moment because he's starting to rise up. You start seeing the eyes go higher and higher and higher. Mm. Um, I think it's a neat visual to, to introduce this new villain uh, costume to yeah. us. Yeah, I mean, uh, the visual is very, it's very intimidating looking when you finally see it fully. But I think that the fact that he's hiding behind some computers is a little odd. It's just a little strange to me. 
it's just something that I picked up on. I picked up on it a while ago, like a couple of watches back, and it just kind of bothers me. Like this is not who Stain is. Stain is the Stain is the guy who is pompous enough to not give a shit what the repercussions are going to be for whatever. What's he hiding for? He doesn't he's not hiding for any real reason. So Tony intervenes and Tony and Stain fight. They have he has his villain monologue, as we always have a villain monologue, and they eventually end up on the roof of Stark Industries where Pepper ends up overloading the original arc reactor, this giant arc reactor that powers the building. That was where he got the idea for the little one that would power his suit, Tony. And this causes a massive blast, sends Stain falling into the original reactor and kills him. So during this battle, I really like the interaction they have when they're flying really, really high. Yeah. Because Tony's tested his suit. Mm -hmm. He knows that there's going to be an icing problem when you get too high. Right. But Obadiah has no clue, and his suit is massive. Mm -hmm. And so you get this confrontation up there, and you know Tony basically says, how would you figure out the icing problem? And right. it's kind of a nice little callback to the beginning of the movie. But I really like that little interaction there. Yeah. The, I think what's interesting about that is that we get to see the difference between Tony and Obadiah here. The difference is not as, it's not as simple as he has the bigger suit. It's not as simple as Tony has a more powerful suit. It is more like Tony took the time. He put the effort in. He created it. He tested it. He did everything right to make sure that it was properly done. And, and he made a maneuver to outsmart Obadiah, you know? And Obadiah is the guy who doesn't care about the safety standards. He doesn't care about making sure. Very true. He's the billionaire that goes down into the submarine and gets crushed. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what we're saying here, right? That's exactly... I mean, of course, we didn't have that happen back then, but it's he's the reckless billionaire who's not going to consider the, the, the effects of what he's doing. He's mm -hmm. only going to care about the final end result. And Tony, of course, is the person that is taking care of all of that. He's focused on all of it. Mm -hmm. You see how his mind works in this moment. Tony doesn't just throw something on and go running away. Mm -hmm. He tests everything. So, mm -hmm. yeah. The next day after the battle, uh, Tony is having a press conference. He's been coached by S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Coulson to use an alibi for his whereabouts during the battle at Stark Industries and to say that Iron Man is his bodyguard but tony once the cameras are rolling goes off book and admits to the press that he is in fact iron man this which, is another ad lib line is it yep it's an ad lib line and they kept it in that's great i here's what i think is good about this is that it it diverges from the comics enough that we know we don't know what to expect. As, as a comic book reader going into this, this is one of those things that you hope for, that they're going to give you something that you can't predict. So in the comics, is Iron Man's identity unknown? Originally, for about the first five to ten years, his, iron, his, his identity was not known. Okay. Later, he... After he got so Iron Man goes through a whole bout of alcoholism, and Obadiah Stane takes over... Um, Stark Industries, 
and there's all like a whole bunch of other stuff that goes on when he comes back and reassumes his rightful place at Stark Industries, he has to admit that he is Iron Man. Because I think James Rhodes takes over for him at one point. He, uh, Rhodey becomes Iron Man at one point oh, in okay. the 80s. So. But yeah, he's not he's not known to be Iron Man until much later. So right okay. off the bat here, day two, after Iron Man appears, he's like, yep, that's me. I think it speaks to his hubris as well. Yes, he's yeah. he's... Even though he's kind of changing some of his ways, he's mm-hmm. still very egotistical, yeah, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's a swagger to him that says, hey, I am the smartest man in the room. I am that guy. And he's not going to hide that. That's not who, yeah. this, that's not who this Tony Stark is. He's not hiding that. Also, when he was getting makeup on by Pepper Potts and mm-hmm. Agent Coulson was talking to him, yeah. he's looking at a newspaper and you see there's an Iron Man photo on the newspaper yeah that was actually taken in secret by a fan who got on set illegally (laughs) or not illegally but it wasn't supposed to be there and took video or took a picture or something okay and they got that picture and put it on the newspaper (laughs) so the the moral of the story is sneak onto a film set and you might end up with your picture in the movie yeah Sure, that's the moral of the story. So guys, <laughs> sneak on to every Disney set you can possibly sneak on to. This wasn't Disney, though, at the time. Uh, no, I know, but I'm just I'm throwing that out there because I want to see what the mouse does to them when they uh, try that. Oh. I wouldn't I wouldn't. The, advise that the mouse may treat it differently. So. Yeah. He's, right. a, he's more of an Obataya stain than a Tony Stark, that <laughs> mouse. But anyway, so that's that's the end of the movie. So let's, so what else you got? Get any other trivia or anything like that we should talk about? Yeah, I have one more trivia thing to cover before we kind of get into a few other things here. But okay. back in the cave, when Jensen and Tony are talking one time, Jensen, all the way back, Jensen mentions that he's met Tony Stark before at a tech conference, but Tony was too drunk. There's no way he'd remember. Mm, yeah. We later get to see this conference in Iron Man 3. Oh, it's that conference? Yeah, it's a flashback to that conference there. Interesting. So is Jensen in that conference? I don't think we see him, but they pull up the conference. So I think it's just supposed to be kind of a quick little, hey, we talked about this before type of thing. Yeah. Sure. All right. All right. Now, in each of these MCU, as much as we can, I would like to talk about the Stan Lee cameo. Okay. This is a big thing in these movies. It was for a long time, yeah. yeah. Before, he, before he died, yeah. Before he absolutely. died. So uh, that's why I'm saying up to the point where we can still yeah. do this. Yeah. In this one, he appears while Tony Stark is walking into that ball or the big party the big thing gala, they yeah. were having. And he is playing the role of Hugh Hefner yeah. with three blondes. Yeah. Stanley is Hugh Hefner. Yep. That's- Lee has later mentioned, I guess, that this was one of his favorite cameos. <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> there was a behind the scenes and they were interviewing Stan Lee and he was sitting at a table with these women and he was just having a grand old time. <laughs> so they were having a good time. Okay. So I, I feel it's necessary that we mention the other people who had a hand in the creation of Iron Man. Okay. Because it's not just Stanley. No matter what Marvel or Disney or Stan himself, I love him to death or I loved him to death, but Stan was very much a self-promoter. No matter what any of those three will say, there were other people involved in creating these characters. 
Okay. Oh, yeah, well, of course there Some... was. There was going to be people that help with the story and then help with creating the... the. Did Was Stan just the one that created the characters or did he do the drawings too? Stan didn't do any of the art. Okay, so the art... So yeah, there would be somebody else with art and stuff. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I think it goes a little bit deeper than he made the character and somebody else drew the character. Okay. In a lot of these cases, and I think that that's something that kind of gets buried. In this case, Stan co-created this character with another writer named Larry Lieber. He also co-created with Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, and another artist named Don Heck. Those were the five people who are the creators of Iron Man. Now, I don't know how much Stan had input. There are some people out there who will say that Stan had almost no input into the creation of the characters, that Stan simply set everything up and other people wrote the words. I don't know the validity of it, but I'm I'm, I'm going to point out in all of these movies who helped create these characters that we're talking about. Okay. In some cases, Stan had no hand in it at sure. all. There are going to be characters that we're going to deal with later that Stan had nothing to do with, but he still makes a cameo. So it's even going to be more important later on to mention the people that were involved in that. Mm-hmm. It's important not to forget that because a lot of times Jack Kirby gets forgotten. And Jack Kirby, to a lot of people, is the father of Marvel Comics, not Stan Lee. So. Fair enough. To me, it's both. I, th- I consider them co-parents, but just for just for transparency's sake. All right. So I wanted to talk about something real quick. Coulson mentions that this is not his first rodeo, which means that he has coached a scenario like this before where a person had special abilities over and beyond what a normal human would have. He's coached this before. As far as we know, within this Marvel Cinematic Universe, this is the first time we've seen somebody with these abilities, right? With with like extra extra human abilities, right? right. What's Coulson referring to, do you think? I don't think it's Captain America because that he actually meets later. Mm-hmm. I think Captain Marvel is before his time. We wouldn't have even known about Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel wouldn't have even been a glint in the MCU's eye at this point. I am not sure. Well, I'm trying to think MCU because this sure. is we're we're doing movies, we're not doing comics. So in the MCU in the timeline of the MCU, I'm trying to think what they had for flashbacks. And this character of Coulson and what he might be referring to. Oh, I know, but what? Okay, but when they wrote this movie, when uh-huh. this movie came out, there was no such thing as Captain Marvel the movie. There was not going to be Captain Marvel the movie, so he could not possibly have been referring to in a script written in 2008 mm-hmm. an event that would have been created in 2014 to be planted in the timeline further back. What well, I'm saying I'm is, what could he possibly have been referring they to? They might not have meant anything in particular yeah. either because they still were working on all their timeline. But obviously there was going to be stuff that was going to end up coming up that he was working with. Hmm. I like to think that there are other characters out there. I think what was I think what they were trying to get at is that there's other characters out there that they maybe had already, he'd already dealt with mm-hmm. that we don't know about yet. Right, yeah. I, I like the tease 
I think the tease is interesting in and of itself because it means that he could be referring to the X-Men for all we know. He could be. Yeah. You know, he could be referring to the Fantastic Four. Maybe he had a hand in the Fantastic Four, you know, people that aren't going to be in the MCU that we see he could be referring to. Maybe. Just a thought. Do you have any other notes that you'd like to go over? I have a few alternate castings. So we have for Pepper Potts, the job was actually offered to Rachel McAdams and she turned it down. Who's Rachel McAdams? She's the one that comes in later and she'll play Christine in Doctor Strange. Oh. She does regret turning it down. Of course she does. Biggest movie franchise in the history of movie franchises. But she does come in with Doctor Strange. So she does come in later. Oh yeah. When they offered her another part, she was like, hell yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take whatever Whatever it is. (laughs) But I got to shine shoes. Fine. I'll do that this way. For Tony Stark, there is some other ones that no were considered kidding. because the studio did not want Robert Downey Jr. Re- oh, he was well, a he risk. Had a lot of baggage, yeah. It yep. was John Favreau who really fought for him. Sure. He really wanted him. Okay. But so there was other names that were floated out there. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise was one of them. I knew it because they talked about they talked about maybe having him show up in the Multiverse of Madness. Was the Multiverse of Madness the one where they go to that alternate timeline? And they meet Reed Richards and Xavier yes. and all that. Mm-hmm. They talked about having him in that as Iron Man. Okay. He was a, he was a potential for that. Okay. I'm glad he wasn't. I don't think Tom Cruise would have been right for this Iron Man. I think he's got enough cockiness to him, but I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't think I don't he mean, has the same charisma. Though. He doesn't have the same charisma. I think. I. Th- <laughs> and here's the thing. I don't mean this. I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. I just don't think I wouldn't buy him as the smartest guy in the room, ever. Right? Yeah. Cockiest guy in the room, sure. Yeah. Slyest guy in the room, sure. Absolutely. Smartest guy in the room, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm glad they didn't end up yeah, going with him. Absolutely. Um, another one I'm glad they did not go with Nicholas Cage. Oh Jesus! That, that guy. Was... He, he wants to be in comic book movies so desperately. I, I'm 100 percent sure that this was his. His agent's going, hey, Nicolas Cage wants to be in your movie. Is Do you know cool? my favorite movie of Nicolas Cage's? Superman Returns? No. Oh. It is that movie, and I can't think of the name of it, but he was in it, and it was kind of mocking himself in it. He played himself in it. We watched it last year, I think it was. What was that called? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. It's the one with Pedro Pascal, right? Yes, Pedro Pascal. What was the name of that movie? I don't know. I don't remember. That's my favorite Nicolas Cage movie, and it's because he played himself. <laughs> I love that movie. That was great. Nicolas Cage did some decent stuff early on. Yeah. Uh, I think he just went off of, I think he went off the, a, a really, really short bridge in the mid-90s after he was nominated yeah, for the Academy Yeah, I mean, he's Award, not you know? awful in everything. I know there's a few things that he's good at, but when I think of Nicolas Cage, I think of over the top, you know? And... I guess I just really enjoyed that movie that we watched that he was in. I wish I could think of the name of it. It was it was just really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Anyways, yep. moving on. Clive Owen. Clive Owen, really? No. Yep. Um I don't know him well enough to have an opinion either way, but I'm kinda I just I love Robert Downey Jr. so much in this role. I just really can't envision yeah. anybody else in it. Yeah. I, he seems very milk toast. I wouldn't Think of him as like billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And the last one is Sam Rockwell. Interesting. 
That's he might have been able to pull it off. Sam, Sam uh, of Rockwell all those definitely could have yeah. I think he would have been the next closest one that maybe could have done it. Sam Rockwell very well could have pulled off Iron Man, but it's interesting because he's going to play Justin Hammer in the next movie. Yes. And I'm glad, and I'm sure that's probably why they ended up picking him in because he was, they, they, they were interested in him for this movie. Mm-hmm. And so I'm guessing they were like, okay, let's look at him again later. I think he's got charisma. I think he can act the part being smart. He is cocky. I have seen him in movies where he's really kind of a mm-hmm. skeezy guy too. Oh, yeah. I I think he's great. I he's think he would have done yeah, okay. Yeah, he's definitely got the swagger. I think if we end up with a, an, an alternate universe, Tony Stark, I think they should give it to Sam Rockwell. Oh yeah, that would be cool. Like I'd get, rather if, see that than Tom Cruise. Yeah, if we get to if we get to Secret Wars, which is what they're shooting for, and and the secret with if Secret Wars are a whole bunch of different the universes colliding, pff, let's do it, man. Bring in Sam Rockwell. Yeah, come on, come on, Disney. Yeah, make all it right. happen. All right, that's all I have for alternate casting. Okay, but let's dive into this end credit scene. Oh yeah, this the... <laughs> is this is a big thing with all these Marvel movies too. Is this right. end credit scene the end credit phenomenon? Kind of. I mean, it it had been done before. But Marvel has really popularized it so much so that there are movies, some movies that I know are going to be franchise movies that I will keep my ass in a seat in a theater waiting till the end to watch all the credits. Right, because you sure. just never know now. You never know. Well, and then some of these movies have like three, four in credit <laughs> scenes. It's like, okay, why don't we just have, you know, an extra 10 minutes of movie here? It's the but... Disney effect. It's the Walking Dead effect, right? Where you got to have two guys killed instead of one because bigger and more means better, right? That's what mm-hmm. it is. All right. Do so you want to talk, talk about, about this? Yeah. So the end credit scene shows Tony arriving home after his press conference. He arrives home to a darkened house, which you know, Jarvis should have turned the lights on by now, but they won't come on. And he's greeted by a person in shadows who slowly steps out of the shadows to reveal Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D., played by Samuel L. Mother and Jackson. <laughs> and he tells him that he's not the only superhero in the world. He says further that he wants to talk to Tony about the Avenger Initiative. Bum, 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 bum. We get Avenger dropped here for the first yeah. time. I find it interesting that in my research. Now, I did not know this beforehand. Yeah. But there is a version of Nick Fury in the comics that is based <laughs> off of Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. Yeah. The originally, Nick Fury is a white guy. He was a World War II hero he he became the director of shield he was an agent of shield for a long time he eventually becomes the director of shield he was a very covert guy deals a lot with the punisher deals a lot with like street level characters and that sort of thing when they when marvel launched their ultimate line in the early 2000s 2000 i i, I believe actually to make to be specific when the avengers appeared in the ultimate universe they were called the ultimates they weren't called the avengers they were called the ultimates and Nick Fury in that universe was based off of Samuel L. Jackson. I love it. Apparently there's a line in one of the comics too that they're talking about movies made off of them or something. Mm-hmm. And he says he'd have to be played by Samuel L. Jackson. Yep. And here we go. Yeah. Played by Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. The, the Ultimate Universe 
ran for quite a few years, 10, 12 years, something like that. So it would have been right around the time that they were producing this movie. So I could see how that would be. Mm-hmm. That would be something that would be said in the comics. I'm, I, I've read them all. I've read every Ultimate comic that came out. So I imagine that somewhere deep in the recesses of my mind, I do recall that, but I don't, I don't have it right at the top of my right. brain. You know, right. One thing that I would like to point out, here's me, a guy who wasn't into the Avengers, a guy who didn't like Iron Man, a guy who went to an Iron Man movie because it was a comic book movie, and my, my edict is I will support comic book movies in any way that I can because they are comic book movies and comic books deserve recognition, right? This, of course, is 2008, way before the big wave of comic book characters are cool. So I was I felt that was my duty to go. So I went and saw Iron Man. I loved it. Okay, I'm not going to mince words. I loved Iron Man when it came out. When when I found out that there was an after credit scene I didn't know about, I went and saw it again. <laughs> and when they dropped Avengers, my nerd brain went like like there was just an explosion in my nerd brain. I was like you've got to be kidding me. They're going to do the Avengers? I didn't think that this was possible. This would be like this would be like trying to put the Justice League together, you know? The X-Men are known to be a team, a team of people that are actually a family, right? Mm-hmm. They live together, they work together, they go to school together, and they go on missions together. The Avengers are a bunch of disparate characters that all come together in a moment of great need, right? I never thought that they'd ever be able to do it because I thought that the Hulk was owned by a different studio, the everything else was owned by all these other studios. I was like, how the hell are they going to pull this off and who are they going to have in this? So yeah, so my nerd brain was just completely blown. Did you know the first time you saw this movie that there was an after credit scene? No. When this first time you saw the after credit scene? No idea. No, I'm not sure. Okay. I, I, I'm not sure. Apparently, they were showing some clips from this before it was released mm-hmm. at Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. And they showed the part where Iron Man is up in the air with those fighter jets, and he does that, like, super fast, I don't know what it's called, but where he could just go- Supersonic. Yeah, supersonic. Mm-hmm. And apparently, everybody lost their mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I imagine that they would have. Yeah, so we hadn't seen I'm sure everybody like just very excited to see something they absolutely adore and love, even though Iron Man might not be what it is, but they love comics. Right, yeah. They love comics, yeah. and to see something like that put up on the big screen is going to be exciting. Yeah, so. absolutely. Oh, man, I tell you, my, my moment was when X-Men came on the screen. The first time they put an X-Men movie out, my geek heart exploded. Yeah. I was so, so ready for the X-Men to be mainstream. Yeah. And they might be again someday. But at that time, I like, I was like, this is validation. It felt I, like validation. I know? just hope when they do come around to making the X-Men movies, they, I didn't hate all the X-Men movies, but I don't love them either. I, most of them I think are okay. Mm-hmm. I hope they do a better job. Well, I think they're I mean, it's going to fit into the MCU in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. So whatever they do, I just, if they make the X-Men Avengers, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I'm out. I'm 100% out. Because that does not, that means that you don't trust your audience, number one, to be able to love another set of characters. Mm -hmm. And number two, you're betraying your roots. Yeah. You're betraying your roots 100%. If they make the X-Men into Avengers, I'm done. I know that there are... X-Men characters that have appeared in the Avengers going back to the Beast. Absolutely. 100%. I know that. But do not say, oh, it's the Avengers X-Men. Nope. 
don't try and sell me on them being another X-Men team. They have to be feared and hated by the people that they're protecting. That is how the X-Men work. So anyway, that's just my little rant there. So we're done, right? We don't have any other notes. We talked about the end credit sequence. Let's do our rating. We're doing out of five stars. Where do you sit, Jen? I really like this movie also. I love this movie. In the whole scope of things, I would probably put this... I've never gone through and put them in order. I should probably do that sometime, kind of think about it, because I've seen them enough. I think I could do that. Do we want to do the phases in order? Yeah, we might be able to do that. Let's do that. Let's do um, each phase in order as we go. But I would put this maybe... If I'm going to separate all the movies into three categories, you know, the highest ranked, middle, mm-hmm. low ranked... I'm going to put it either in the high end of the middle or the low end of the high. I, I mean, I really like this movie. I think it's one of the... You're talking me in circles here. I don't know what you're trying to say. Tell me a, tell me a number of stars. Let me get there, okay? I'm going to get to the stars. <laughs> I'm just trying to rationalize where I want to put, what, what I want to put on here I'm for just, a star. Okay, fine. I'm being impatient, but okay, yeah. go on. I absolutely love this introduction of Iron Man. I don't know who the hell Iron Man is, but I also don't know who the hell Black Widow is or <laughs> Hawkeye is. Right. I mean, I've heard of some of these. I've heard of the Hulk. I've heard of Captain America. I've heard of Thor. I don't know anything about them. So I am completely going into this without any background knowledge. Yeah. I love Iron Man. I love Robert Downey Jr. as t- Tony Stark. Pepper Potts, I think, is great. Rhodey, I really like him in this. I do like the change to Don Cheadle. I think they both do great at this. I, I'm i okay with either one of them playing the role. It was great. I like the story. I like the character growth. We go from uh, somebody who's profiting off awards to somebody who's trying to pull out of that and focus more on clean energy. I like that story arc there. We have nice action in here. The only scene that I thought was really kind of goofy was the chest scene, but otherwise the special effects in the rest of this movie hold up pretty good all these years later. Sure. I really enjoy this movie a lot. So I'm going to go with a four because I feel like it's not top tier, but it's not my middle tier. It's somewhere in between. So I'm going with a four. Four stars for me. Very good. How about you? Okay, so I am going to, when I rank these movies, I'm going to rank these movies as comic book movies because this movie will not hold a candle to a movie outside of its genre. Uh, That is a good movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't put this up against The Godfather because The Godfather is going to win. For some people, sure. Well, yeah, for some people. But I'm saying as far as, like, as far as a good film. So when I give my star rating, my star rating is based on this genre, this mm-hmm. specific subgenre of superhero movies, mm-hmm. because I think I think superhero movies, like you've said already, you've kind of just got to let some things go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is a popcorn movie. This is one of those movies that doesn't have a deep message. It doesn't require thought. It just requires investment of time, and that's it. So it is. I don't know. It's going to have to be a really good superhero movie to get a five star out of me, if that makes sense. This movie is going to be a four and a half. Wow. Yep. Because it starts with a bang. It is compelling from the very first moment. Yes, its turn is good in within its confines. It is rushed if you look at it from like outside. If you look at it from a broad perspective, its turn for its main character is rushed. 
he it happens by the second act he's like nope no more war but and so it's a it's a cartoony it's a it's a comic book turn you know what i mean mm-hmm. so with that with that said though it works for this movie the special effects the practical special effects are amazing in this movie absolutely amazing i loved the interaction with tony and his machinery the the three arms that he has help, that he has helping him yep the one that he calls dummy like i love the interaction between those characters i understand why this movie is held to a higher regard than other Iron Man movies that will come later. It's held to a higher in a higher regard than other superhero movies that are going to come later. And it's because I think there's an element, like I said before, of, of like a rogue guerrilla style filmmaking that you're not going to get with later movies. Later mm-hmm. movies are planned. Later movies will have full scripts heading into them. Later movies are going to be like, well, they're part of the puzzle, so they have to be cut out this way. This movie is laying all of the groundwork. Mm-hmm. And much like any movie, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a sequel that's going to be better than it. This movie's a four and a half for me. It's probably my favorite Marvel movie with, or as far as MCU movies go. There may be one movie that'll be in phase two that I think would compete with this for the top spot. Oh, interesting. Yep. Yep, yep. So, uh, used used to be we didn't know where we were going and it was a great mystery and Jen would always drop it on me, but we know we have our roadmap. Yep. Phase one, the next movie is Incredible Hulk. Are you excited for the Hulk? I I am excited, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I this, think, this one, I didn't watch till more recently, but we could talk about that more. Yeah, we'll talk about it a little bit more next, next time, week. But. Also, make yeah. sure to go check out our website. Yeah. We will have listed out there the movies that were coming up. Mm-hmm. We'll also at times drop some newsletters out there or blogs or something. Yeah, we're going to have a blog set up where yeah. we're going to do some like mini reviews and stuff like new stuff that comes out that we watch that maybe isn't part of one of our seasons, but we still want to touch on it. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, throw in there, you know, a little bit of additional extra content there for you. You can get in touch with us on the website or if you just want to use our email address, it is view at the couchpod.com. Fair um, enough. Right on, right on. Okay, well, next week, right here on the couch, Bruce Banner, not David Banner, which is the end of the old TV show. <laughs> they called him David Banner because they thought Bruce was too quote-unquote gay. Oh, for God's sake. Oh, for God's sake, the 1970s. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, Bruce is back, and he's on the couch next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. You have been listening to A View from the Couch. Visit our new website, thecouchpod.com, where you will find a calendar of upcoming releases, links to our podcast episodes, and you can sign up for our upcoming newsletter. You can also email our host directly at view at thecouchpod.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. Every review helps us get noticed. Thanks for listening.